back once again to Fine Beats and Cheeses, the podcast that doesn't want your freedom. All we want right now is you. I am Leslie Gray Streeter, I, and everyone is very impressed by that particular dumb pun. I nailed it. I am Leslie Gray Streeter, a columnist for the Baltimore Banner, an author, a lifelong Wham fan, and uh, and a one-time uh, struggle for the heart of was in a struggle for the heart of George Michael with someone on this very podcast. George didn't know. Anyway, I'd like to introduce my podcast host, co-host, Ness. I don't know. Okay, the reason I had my um what mouth wide open is that it, it is exactly what I was going to say. I was totally going to do the all I want right now is you thing. But whatever. I'm Lynn Streeter Childress. My twin sister stole my soul. And um, but she didn't break my soul. That's a whole other or thing. your stride. Or my stride. We've gone <laughs> all over it. But yes, I'm Lynn Streeter Childress. I make theater. For young audiences, but I guess all I have to say is, uh, yeah, 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 na 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 na, yeah, 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 yeah. That's all I got. Oh dear, I would lock I... you up, but I could not stand to hear you screaming to be set free. What? That That's creepy. Right. Anyway, it is. So I know. Take that out. Anyway, <laughs> hey, but our guest today is a returning guest. Yes, please, please introduce yourself. I am Melanie Hood Wilson. Um, I am a, diver a diversity equity. I'm going to say diversion. I make a diversion <laughs> here today, actually. Um, I'm a diversity, equity, and inclusion professional. I own a company, Melanie Hood Wilson and Associates. And I am also um, an OG Wham fan. And I'm really happy to be here to talk about Wham today with my friends since probably around the time I was listening to Wham. Yes. Uh, Leslie and Lynn Streeter, you put the boom boom into my heart. Oh, come oh, on. It's now, happening. Come on. It's and all also, happening. Also joining us is producer Sam who um i was gonna make some like we had to wake him up before he went went but that didn't make any sense <laughs> you stepped on my joke because oh, no! oh. <laughs> i because i i'm an hour before you and we're starting pretty early in the morning my 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 joke was going to be you were supposed to wake me up before we went went oh. so this shows y'all need to submit your jokes to each other prior. i was just about to say if oh, only no, nobody wants to admit to these things in print come on now <laughs> If only we plan this in some way, like other, maybe that's our problem. I don't know. Maybe it's a professionalism thing. Anyway, it's or maybe funny. it's Maybelline. So it's going to be like that. And it's this too is early going to... to be a really dumb one, but in the very <laughs> best way. I'm so excited. Oh okay, so the reason that we are talking to this particular guest about this particular thing is, as Melanie mentioned, we've all been Wham fans for about as long as we've known each other. Um, and the story that I alluded to in the intro was that when we were 15, 14, 14, our 14th birthday party uh, in Baltimore in our club basement. That's okay. Don't don't be shy about it now. Um, I, we were playing tell the story. We're, yes, I do. We were playing the game of like, you knew this was going to happen. The game of life. And I had like my little pink pig in my car. And I say, when you go through the game of life and you earn a husband, mine was George Michael. And so Melanie may have rammed the back of my car and run the me pig over with her car um, at my birthday party. 
But anyway, um, it was Linda's birthday party too. Anyway, I find this hysterical because now she's and my best friend. And stole your husband. But the and stole my husband. Was yes. that George entered my car when you were no longer able to drive yours? Because I was dead. Yes. Anyway, so years later, <laughs> accidents happen. <laughs> at my birthday so years later we went to see george michael on his last tour mm -hmm. in miami La um, last ever american performance last performance ever on american soil and we were and there it was that. amazing actually it was in fort lauderdale um it was amazing and we had such a good time too because we had seen george through his wham days when they were you know you know, doing Puppies. bad, bad rap about, you know, social uh, justice. About and, being on the dole, about how yes. great it is to be on the dole. <laughs> I am a man. What? And, and then Wake Me Up Free Go Go. And then they went into, they went to China and then they were doing weird S&M bondage songs right before they broke up. And then he went through his whole situation. Um, but I just, what is it for all of you that drew you to Wham? Okay, I think I, when I look back on the artists I was really drawn to during that period of my youth, um, the one thing that they all have in common was this air of queerness, you know? So Boy George, you know, I was all over, all over that. And, um, you know, Duran Duran were straight guys, but you have Nick Rhodes in like a full uh. face of makeup, you know, oh, no. um, there was this queer adjacency to all of that. And it's, it, it's a funny things I couldn't have put, I wouldn't have called it that at 13 or 12 uh, or 14, even I would mm. have just said, you know, oh, they're really cute. Or, oh, I really like that. You know, I, there's a poster on my wall of George and Andrew where George is wearing the shortest of little short shorts and the tightest of little shorts. Actually, I think the shirt was off, but it was like the short, you know, it was the short shorts that they were short shorts. And I remember, yeah, I, I remember kids, it's boys, boys at school in middle school being like, oh, they're gay. And I'm like, no, they're not. Because, you know, when you're young and it's the 80s, gay is a very, very bad word. But I look back on it and I think it is that air of queerness. It made me feel safe and comfortable. It made me feel like, you know, these these seemed like nice fellas who I could hang out with. And in the video, in their videos, in Wham's videos, they're hanging out with girls. Yep. They're not like in packs of dudes looking hard and they're they're like laughing with Pepsi and Shirley. Yep. You know? And Someone's I was like, these seem like safe guys to be around. Somebody said to me, could you not look at the Club Tropicana video and understand that these were gay, that he was gay? Yeah. And I was like, I do now. I didn't see it then. Um, my oh, first. He, George was. Andrew is, is no, Andrew's way yeah. hetero in that yeah. he, um, this sounds hetero doesn't mean you get around, but Andrew originally um, mm -hmm. dated around. Yes, he yeah. did. <laughs> Lynn and I first. But I think, but I think, oh, I'm sorry. I just want to jump and say that though. Andrew seems to be that rare straight guy. And I hate to say rare, but I think rare straight yeah. guy who can have an authentic friendship with a gay man where he can meet that gay man like where he is and join in and not worry about some toxic masculinity right. BS, you know, that this is going to make him gay too. Because well, that's yeah, one thing. Short shorts too. Well, they all do. Well, that's one thing, though. I mean, I know you're going to speak closely. Is that they met in school before mm -hmm. anybody had knew a, what their knew what anybody was, was, and 
And Wham was a thing before George came out. It was, um, and and from the so we we will um, reference mm-hmm. it. Amazing documentary on Netflix, um, mm-hmm. hosted, did narrated a lot by Andrew Widgley and it's mm-hmm. ridiculously wonderful. But yeah. they were they were already stars ish before he before he came out. When you're queer, you're queer. You know, George was, George didn't know that he wanted to sleep with men. He, he was born a gay man. We're born this way. Oh, so, oh yeah. And, you know, yeah. So Andrew was that, but I knew guys who, I, oh my God, so many gay guys who other boys just, they're, that he doesn't act just like everybody else. He doesn't dress just like everybody else. He's got some little flair about him. That's not like every other boy. So I can't be friends with him. You know, mm. Andrew was never that guy. They're just. Like, again, I can't stress the pink short shorts enough. <laughs> and but Andrew jumped right on in that pool. And it wasn't like, and no, it wasn't a, a an act of allyship. It wasn't. Right, they were already friend friend. queer, right. so I'm going to. It wasn't an act of allyship. But it was an act of, like, being a such, being a good enough friend and not being self-conscious about your own masculinity. That you can, like, just wear pink short shorts with your friend. It's funny. I saw it. It does make sense. I saw a, there's a guy who's a representative in New York, I think, who is gay, who's wearing like two little earrings and he's very colorful. And someone said, this is a person who's a U.S. representative or is a state representative. And someone said, what's so funny is if that man had been in the 80s. He could mm-hmm. have worn the exact same thing. I've just been like, this guy just bangs co- bangs hookers and does coke because that's how everybody dressed. Everybody. I like- remember. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, also, straight America had no gaydar whatsoever. Back none. Then. Oh, none. I mean, well, boys. Now, little boys would be like, oh, that's gay. That's gay. But they didn't even really know what that meant. No. And I mean, it's so many people believed Elton John was married to a woman. But I think, well, yes, but I also think, too, is that people had gaydar for people who put it out there, right? For like, 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 like Boy George, like this was the right. the era of like Boy George, yes. who was Sylvester, out. right? <laughs> and people, it's like, right. I, you know, there's no in. I was never in that kind right. of Boy thing. George, Pete, um, uh, Pete, what's his name from Dead Although Boy, right? Boy yes, George, Pete Boy George did say he came out as he was bisexual. Bisexual. Right. Well, everybody, well, everybody was. I was the only actual bisexual in the 80s. Um, but yeah, everybody was bisexual in the 80s. And goodbye. No, no, but but yeah, it's very, um, that sort of leads into like you were at the question of like, how did we discover Wham? Or when did we first love Wham? What's so funny is I first became aware kind of of liking them with that Make It Big album and what like 84, 85 but what's so funny is, is that Leslie and I lived in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia oh. for half a sixth grade, all the seventh grade and went to an international school. And there was these British girls yep. in the talent show who did Wham! Rap. And Ooh. I remember Leslie and I thinking this is, but I remember we were like, this is really stupid. So we're, we were the only black girls and Balt- from Baltimore were like, and who understood what rap was? We're like, eh, oh, no. but it's this. So when, so when, 
Wham. Wait, that was so, before Make It Big, Lynn? That, that was before Make It Big, Big. yeah. This okay. was like 1982, right. 83. That was your first exposure. Yeah. Yeah, like so, 83, oh, that's not good. <laughs> right, so, well, so what happened and, is- Lynn, I can see well, them. I think one of them was wearing like a denim jacket and yeah. they was like, and they're going, wham, bam, I am. I mean, we're like, what the hell is it this? It was bad. But so funny <laughs> is, so then we, when, when Waking Me Up Before You Go Go and all that came out, Mm-hmm. we then remembered that we had heard of these guys because mm-hmm. we were like wait a minute back to people from the bad rap song but yeah, we forget them wow and see I was the opposite so I you know America I was here in America and so I didn't hear of them until make it big and I fell in love with it and you know again you're asking what what attracted me to them and I think for me see for me this is tied into teenage queerness there's a joy about them too absolutely boys boys and men of a certain age like from the early from adolescence through like early manhood I just feel like there's this whole idea that joy is feminine or something and I feel Mm -hmm. like there's just not there are not a lot of young male performers who give off a joy the way that Andrew and uh, even back then not a lot who gave off a joy the way that Andrew little Nas X and he's queer there you go but but you know I mean those those Mm-hmm. No, I was gonna say who else I was thinking of like young guys of like joy was like the new edition and boys to men were the first people who came to my head they were all singing mm-hmm. about girls but it was just, but it was mm-hmm. young it was this very it was, young yes. it was like, young fresh light absolutely yeah no, young fresh yeah. and light and it was they weren't gang members they were no doing... one was having to demonstrate their masculinity at all moments I yeah, mean because no. Rob Tresvant sounded you know like a chipmunk Yes, he did. God love him. So I, that was my first introduction to Wham. And then because I instantly became like obsessed with them, um, I started digging up stuff. And that's when I discovered Wham rap and all of that horrendousness that happened prior to Make It Big. And I I don't know how or where, because there was no internet. I don't know how or where I found these videos, but it was us kind of funny because it was like all the things I didn't like about them or things that I, I liked that they were not is what I should is what I should say. And here are these videos where they're kind of trying to play that up, but in the weirdest, most British way possible. Um, yeah. It's so funny. And I know you, you Leslie and Tim, if you want to answer too, have it answered. But when I think about um, what's it? Young Guns, right? Young guns having some fun. The video Crazy is, ladies keep on the run. Guys, guys, realize the danger and emotional ties. Yes. Take a look at it. free. But anyway, but in that video is so funny. I was thinking about that video yesterday, thinking about this show. He's like, hey, sucker, what the hell got into you? It was all right? this, it was this, it was this very, yeah. Um, what's the word? theatrical kind of like the the way they would do it in performances it was like andrew and charlie and it was like you know this whole acting out and they're like what is he doing over there what is he talking about and then andrew starts dancing you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of the um beginning of leader of the pack yes you're still going out with him Mm mm-hmm I met him at the candy store. He looked around and smiled at me. He got the picture. Yes, we see. Yes, we that see. That reminded me because it was so performative and they're wearing the leather jackets, mm-hmm. which honestly, now we understand. Understanding 70s gay bar culture and leather bar culture, mm-hmm. we get more of that and now. That, and that, by the way, is so... Uh, thank you, Leslie, because that's another thing I, I, that struck me even then about those videos. They didn't seem menacing. 
No. They reminded me of sort of the village people kind of aesthetic. <laughs> at that time, I never at that time would have been able to say, you know, there there's an association there. Another thing is, and I'm, uh, forgive me, Sam, although don't if you don't if you don't want to, uh, white people really should be given special dispensation if they're going to rap. There needs to be a panel mm-hmm. that they go before to present the plans and perhaps give a demonstration of the skills before being allowed to hit record i will i will say in opposition to that uh they should be completely and utterly held responsible for their stupid when they do it okay i'll go with that too but here's the thing if you're not marshall mathers you should be careful yeah yeah i think that's i think that's a good point i know you know what i think that we need to get i think i think we should be held more i think we should be held more accountable and let it happen but I'm your 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 basic premise. I'm with white people <laughs> are are appropriating without knowledge in many well, cases. That was the funny thing about it. So yeah. again, going back and watching the documentary is that this idea of accessibility. They were like, let's do a something. Let's do something about social issues. We're going to rap because people are doing that now. And the fact that you were just so confident that you're just going to rap mm-hmm. when you aren't a rapper, let's just do that because we can do it. There's something both appropriation, but also kind of like delightful. It's like when people nowadays just make YouTube videos because they want to and no one's told yeah. them that they need special talent. <laughs> to do yeah. it they just do it it's and true. it was something very refreshing also not rhythmical or melodic too mm-hmm. there's also there's another there's a weird thing with with british culture in the i'll say late 70s to mid 80s as rap was coming up because spoken poetry in the middle of songs is a very british folk thing to yes. do so there's an there's a there's an overlap in the sort of the underlying mm-hmm. art form even though the minute you t- you take on the trappings of Compton, you have made a mistake if you're from London. That's just, that's not a thing. Stop. Hey, hey Sucka never, it. hey, Sucka never felt natural. Coming no. Out of the mouth. Say that. Adorable. My dear Sucka, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> I must nice say. To your crew. He that's, is. That said, right now, there are, there's a, a thing called Chap Hop in Britain, mm. which is the most delightful throwback to 80s rap in the world. What is it? Um, it's basically steampunk rap is what it comes Ooh. down to. And there's a, there's, a, there's a gentleman called uh, Mr. B, the Gentleman Rhymer, and I <laughs> heartily recommend him um, uh, in this context because he um, he covers old school rap from a place of great knowledge and sympathy and understanding, but he covers it as if it were, you know, British folk music with a, with electronic overlay on it. Uh, so I he has a, he has what's called a banjo and it's, uh, he does a straight out of Compton thing about cricket that is just sublimely ridiculous. Mr. B, the gentleman rapper. Yeah. The gentleman Dude, rhymer. Can you okay. drop it in the chat, please? Is there in this sort of format? Can we chat? Can you put it in the chat? Yeah, there, yeah, I can. I can send. And I've okay, always wanted to say this. That. I'm going to link this in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, y'all fancy! 
we I, try well the sad part is at 52 it's like am i really going to remember to link this in the show notes or i'm going to listen to this episode and go oh i did not link this in well the I, show just, notes. I just put it in my show notes so yay but <laughs> somebody remind me whoever has the brain today remind me that uh i said i was going to do that <laughs> whose turn is it to hold it can, can i also uh, drop into this a conversation by the way about wham that george <laughs> andrew we're actually challenging capitalism long before it became fashionable. In that yeah. way. Once again, they did an entire song that said, I don't I don't need to have a job to be a man. I'm just gonna live off the government. I mean, that's not to say that's what you know anti-capitalism has to look like, you know, government dole, but hey, we're talking about a universally basic income nowadays. I mean, they basically were like, you know what? I can live at my mom's house and not work and I'm still a member of society. Screw you. Love everything about the message, but it was a challenge to capitalism. Well, and also at 19, at 18 and 19 or whatever you are, that's, that that falls differently than if they were 40 <laughs> saying, I don't need a job. I'm going to live at my mama's house. That falls not as charmingly, but yes. <laughs> And it's interesting too, again, again, not knowing all of the, that early history of when they were doing mm -hmm. that early or music mm -hmm. is when they made the um, decision to become popular, there were people who were very mm -hmm. upset because they felt like they were yes. going away. Like you were saying something that was about something and now mm -hmm. you're singing wake me up before you go go mm -hmm. and and you're wearing short shorts and doing all this stuff and then it was they thought people thought that they had some kind of I don't mm -hmm. know like I don't think the clash but you know what I'm saying like some kind of somebody mm -hmm. who was saying something that seemed like a young thing with a purpose and not just yeah. young socially conscious they seem exactly you know, socially it's conscious to their initial audience it's interesting. I just wrote a story that will be in the Baltimore banner around the time that this maybe runs. Um, I actually interviewed some Swifties, including uh, Melanie's daughter, Maya, who is my goddaughter. And it's a reverse that like people like the Beatles started out being targeted to young women. And then when they mm -hmm. moved beyond that, that's when they got taken seriously, mm -hmm. because then suddenly it wasn't just girls listening to them and things that girls listen yeah. to are not given that that amount of seriousness the fact that wham started out being like guys going that's right we agree and then they're like yeah we want the girls they're like no, what's happening but the, the fact girls that are where the money is absolutely they just don't get the respect for it and that george michael no. um you know as a solo well even in on make it big i mean they were only together a couple years yeah uh, and so when and make it big even as as they were doing Wake up before you go go. They were also, you know, careless whisper, you know, which was the beginning of some might say the end, but it was certainly beginning yeah, of where yeah. he was going to go mm -hmm. as an artist. And that there's this wonderful documentary um about mm -hmm. Wham, about when mm -hmm. he goes to Muscle Shoals yeah. in Alabama, where yeah, so many part. classic um Albums, mm -hmm. R and B albums, and albums of the sixties and seventies. Uh, Aretha Franklin, so many other people, and he goes to make the album, and he goes to make that song, and the guy that was, I'm gonna remember his name, the producer, was like, "This is how we should do it." And this young guy, he's 21 years old, says, "No, 
and he goes home and changes it and changes it but remember before that even i mean they basically were just like you're gonna sing it the way we want it and he did perform it the way that he did what they asked but he didn't like it and then he changed it and i thought that part was also important because while he had his own mind he also was respectful he came mm-hmm. into that situation leaving his privilege at the door yep and was respectful of these older you know it's jerry less... wexler by the way jerry wexler thank jerry you. wexler Go ahead, he, he was he was respectful of the fact that these people had experience and um expertise at that point mm-hmm. that he didn't necessarily have he he, he came in, he, he left his pop stardom at the door when he walked in. And I respected the hell out of that in the story. And then I also respected the fact that even as a young artist, when he heard it and he was like, this ain't, this ain't it. He went back to somebody who would listen to him or you know, went back and did it himself. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought but that was the moment that he became an artist, in my yeah, opinion. He absolutely. George and- Michael, before that, he was a pop star. He was you know, he was he was Andrew's partner. He was he he had a great voice and he had wonderful instincts. But that careless whisper was where and that's an artist right there. That's that is an that artist. Is a recording artist. And it's also funny that that's the song that cemented his uh, stardom for a lot of black people. Is that yes. the song that Absolutely. they played on? Yes. On Black Stations and they played on Quiet Storms and, you know, um, it was, it was very, there was a gravity to it. And this was uh-huh. even, you talked about being the beginning of the end, but this was even before like Edge of Happen. So this was before like mm-hmm. their like last yeah. stuff together. Um, but like you said, it's so funny. It only lasted a few years. Um, but, but also to what you were saying, Melanie, about as a young artist, him being able to give the respect to the older generation, but still do his thing. You, we all have mentored people and have all worked with young people. And if any of them are listening to this and they probably aren't because <laughs> it's about lamb, but if you are listening to this, what's one of the biggest takeaways, I know that all of us, well, I know that Melanie, I, I'm pretty sure that all of us, I know some of your stories, if we could go back and redo some of the things that we did or didn't do when we were younger as artists, I would love to like things that people said I should do that I didn't yeah. fight. Um, that, and I'm, I'm not talking about anything bad. I'm just talking about like artistically or like, no, I, 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 if I like, learned, couldn't do if this I, or couldn't do, couldn't do this. I or couldn't struggled go to, to well, hold on. in the moment. Yeah, right. Exactly. I if I couldn't, couldn't do this thing or couldn't go to that thing, I would redo mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Yeah. No, I absolutely, and, and what you said about Melanie about being in the moment, because when you're young, you're thinking so much about what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. So you're rushing forward and you're making decisions often, as Len said, with mm-hmm. other people's um, mm-hmm. input, which is really pushing you to do or not to do or be something. And it becomes, when you go back, you go, why did I do those things? Or why didn't I do those things? And because you didn't know, and as you said, Melanie, for someone like George Michael, who had enough faith in his artistry Mm -hmm. to say, with all due respect, I don't want to do this. And to then- (laughs) I'll say, and then, even though we're, we're talking now, George Michael and now Wham, to have the solo career with Faith, shaking his butt in his little um revenge jacket and then three years later 
making a video where he literally burns it. Burns it's the jacket. Ja burns the jacket and says, I don't belong yeah. to you and you don't belong to me. And he's talking to the industry, to his former fans, to the yeah. image that he had of himself. Yes. And don't forget in the video, he also points out when you shake your ass, they notice fast. Some mistakes were built to last. Oh! In reference to that exact video whose jacket he's burning. Yeah. Some mistakes were built to it's last, a, It's man. a very interesting cycle of career when you watch. Yeah. And because when you're young, you Ooh. don't know which mistakes will be built to last. Exactly. You don't know which mistakes, um, <laughs> career-wise, artistically, personally, are going to be something that people forget about, and you hope they do. And well, which ones are going to be the ones that you have to live down? And he said, "I'm burnt, literally burning it down." There would never be a record industry if young people understood what they were signing on for, mm. because pretty much every young artist's story is you know i wanted to get paid to sing or play music so badly yeah. that i signed whatever contract i got and i made absolutely nothing and then some people live on to sign better contracts and some people peter out never but, get you know, out of it yeah so i mean and the fact that he made yeah that, that he was pointing this out not necessarily but from the monetary standpoint but from the, you know, the way that this industry consumes youth, you know, it's like that Absolutely. public enemy line day by day, America eats its young. Well, yes. yeah, the music industry definitely eats its young. Lynn, you mentioned New Edition. Um, Melanie's young daughters discovered the New Edition. They got to have a New Edition by watching <sighs> the movie, the, the New Edition series. story. And mm -hmm. that's a thing that got them and got me. The idea that these young men were from the projects in Boston went on two tours and were dropped two. right back off with no money back in the projects and were splitting mm -hmm. like dollar checks. I mean, just yeah, the kind of thing that yeah. now with the Internet, because somebody's mother would have taken a picture of that. And put it on Instagram and that would have been settled immediately. But the fact that these mm -hmm. things were done to black artists and poor artists yeah. and queer artists um it's because it, they're easier it was easier to get just like in um the nba and college things it's easier to get young men who are desperate to sign contracts and do things that are in their best interest with the dangling uh the promise of something better and better looks a lot different if your your current is bad you know, oh, yeah. so when you're someone like George yeah. Michael, once again, who had and I just can't get the fact that this man at every moment and when you see these interviews with people was being told not to do the things he did and he did them yeah. anyway, mm -hmm. was being told you can't irk MTV. You want them to play your video and you can't make a, you're the most visible artist in the world. You can't make a video that has a bunch of supermodels in it and not you. And he's oh, like, yeah. is what it is. And he literally was burning it down. Yeah. And the confidence that that took, and also that shows you how mad he was. And he, like Prince, went on to sue his record company, mm -hmm. you know, for stuff and just saying, yeah. we have faith in our in our integrity and in our artistry. Well, and mm -hmm. it's funny too, um, talking about, <laughs> going back to talking about Wham!, <laughs> as a group, I'm sorry, is that um, you're talking about like like ego and stuff at the same time that George Michael is kind of like lighting it on fire. Andrew Ridgely is like, yeah, go ahead and do that. You mm -hmm. know, he had, he had one album 
that didn't do great, but he kind of, he was rich, right? And he kind of was yeah. kind of like, and he wanted to race cars yeah. and he wanted to right. do all kinds of other things. And he- Also, he's got songwriting credits, you know. Oh yeah. For, mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. There's a part in that documentary and I apologized. And when it happened, I called both of you, Lynn and Melanie and said, I apologize on behalf of terrible entertainment reporters. When there's this woman who's trying to start stuff when, you know, oh, yeah. um, mm -hmm. George, you know, has been, you know, he's George Michael and wham, and you know, that's bad when you're like so-and-so and the group and there's just two of you. It's just two of you. <laughs> there's two of you. <laughs> and I mean, that's not good. So this woman is like, so how are you going to feel when George goes solo? And he goes, well, it's going to happen. And I'm going to be very happy for him. Yeah. And that she, first of all, was like, shut up lady. But they took the power out of this woman with a very genuine a very genuine reflection and mm -hmm. commitment of support of his friend. It, it makes sense. First of all, okay, because he is a good friend. There are people in this world who are just good friends, who just know how to be good friends. He was the wind beneath George's wings, you know? Mm -hmm. He made oh, it yeah. so George could fly higher than an eagle. Um, but <laughs> also, you got to look at it through also the lens, though. Like, look at the history. Andrew was like, let's have a band, let's be pop stars. Mm -hmm. Andrew wasn't like, there is an, I have an artistic vision right. that I would like us to aspire to. He did his, He did the thing. He, yeah. he did a band. He made it big in that band. He made bags from that band. Bags. And when the, and you know, George was the one like, you know, oh, the sound and oh, the quality and oh, we, we should produce it this way. Andrew, that was never his passion. No. So it just makes sense that now my friend has found this, that this is his life's calling in this very different way than we've been going about it. And so he's going to move on to the next level. That just, that's, there's nothing. Yeah. People try so, well, I, you know what it is, I guess. I think so many people who go into the entertainment industry and make it really big are, make it big are yeah. often not super pleasant people you know they're hyper competitive yeah. people um or they've had to scratch and tear so much that they've become very you know um hardened around you know i don't know being being a person um mm. and i i think that's why it, it stuns people to this day that andrew didn't have an attitude about it because he's like okay i did what i came to do and that's my friend and it's one of those things too that over the years people think of him as this kind of like has been who is probably you know bitter and was the least talented and watching this love letter i mean this was this that that yes. um documentary was a love letter to his friend and it a love was. letter to this yeah. to this time and it was it was gorgeous. It was really mm -hmm. gorgeous. And it gave you something. And, that, and another thing I think I had forgotten from a purely aesthetic thing is how freaking good looking Andrew Ridgely was. Good God. Um, and still is. Um, he's a sil silver fox, baby. Um, and dated the, was with the woman from Banana Rama for like 25 years, Karen oh, wow. Woodward. And then he oh, she looks really was pretty. So really pretty. pretty. And then he was actually dating somebody else. I mean, he's like almost 60, right? He yep. was dating somebody else for like a year, but she broke up with him because he because she, she's like, I'm I'm like 52. I want to get married again. And he doesn't. He's just out there 
being Andrew Ridgely, living an Andrew Ridgely life on, you know, manners. Like he doesn't he look like he lives in a manor? He probably does. Like he has to. And he looks like he smells good. He yes, looks he like he smells delicious. But um, but yeah, I'm um, so sorry. I can I stop here and I do you get comments from your listeners? Do people write in comments after they listen to your podcast? Because I, mean, I have a question, a listener question. Yes. Do white women also look at men and think that they smell good, or is that a black lady thing? Well, so Melanie, rem- no. remember that Melanie sent me this really interesting video clip asking white people to say something positive about black people. And one of the women was talking about black men and how good they smell. And it was interesting. She made a very it's good true. point that she, it is true. She made a very good point that Melanie made a point that the white people who were very upper middle class, who looked to be educated, who would probably think of themselves as allies, talked about our how good we smell and how good we look and our our food and our musical contributions. And the one redneck guy they talked to was like, I was raised in Georgia in Section 8 housing, public housing with a lot of black people and they're my aunties and, and uncles and stuff because that sort of recognition personally Mm-hmm. is is that is because those two groups were at in his level were economically based that there was more of a personal um mm-hmm. situation so that was um i don't know i i was just really struck by that so yeah i do think that they notice i think we notice it more also we're around black people more than white people well- no, I just mean that's true. So maybe if I spent more time with white women, I'd hear them say he looks like he smells good. Maybe, and... although maybe they wouldn't know how to say that to you. Okay. Can I can well, I say one thing too on mm-hmm. another note? Is yes. that so this is Friday the sixth of October. And uh so it's we were all in the well, the three we're all from Baltimore, but three of us are currently in the Baltimore area. And um this is Purple Friday is a Ravens thing. So both Sorry, Leslie- I always wear the, I always forget my purple. So, so both Leslie is wearing purple and Sam's mm-hmm. wife, Nikki, our triplet just yes. waved and she's wearing a Ravens jersey, but I've gone in the other direction and I am wearing orange. Um, because, because the Orioles are in the playoffs, baby. Playoffs, baby. I, I can, yeah, I, me and the Orioles is a whole- thing i used to be violent about the orioles and i had to step back because i was unpleasant and so oh oh, i was very unpleasant um but i thought it was funny but anyway um yeah i can i ask question favorite wham song me Um, everybody everybody so melanie you go first oh gosh or somebody else can go first if someone is well, edge of, I mean, edge of it, heaven yeah, one favorite is hard edge of heaven leslie yes the original freedom mm-hmm. and last christmas which is oh, not yes those, those three no i just took it because i'm bad um probably last christmas um oh why Last Christmas, and it's a song I used to hate, honestly. I think that it's grown on me because of the nostalgia around it and because so many people have become, like, violently opposed to it. Now, jokingly, like, they call it, they're like, um, I forget what they call themselves. Basically, it's how long they can go in a holiday season without hearing Last mm-hmm. Christmas. Yeah. Um, also, the, in the video of the, the documentary, the irony is that, you know, and 
Christmas singles are huge in England. That's like a big tradition. And so George was trying to get five consecutive number ones. Mm -hmm. And he kept himself off of getting that number one with Wham because he did, he was in the Band-Aid song, Do They Know It's Mm -hmm. Christmas? And that kept his own song at number two, um, which is, I know, it's sad (laughs) and ironic. But you know, I, I, I think he did okay. And that terrible video where they're off on the ski resort, and uh, I guess whoever George had dated the year before was now dating Andrew, which is terribly rude to bring her. Why do you bring her to the Christmas house? Why is she there? Why would she come? <laughs> why, why would you would bring he, her? Why would you bring her? And then George, why wouldn't you go? Take me back down to this next chalet down the road, baby. I'm not gonna be here. Um, this all of it just makes me laugh, and it's just really fun to sing it's such a a clever rhyme i gave you my heart very nice day you gave it away it's like so on the 26th <laughs> <laughs> on boxing day on boxing day she did this to you <laughs> just the outrage i feel about and they're also it's the most 80s video in the world because everybody's hair is like fluffy and George is they're all wearing sweaters and they're just like playful in the snow and George's like my heart's been broken and the heart is a pendant and she's wearing it mm. that hussy hussy <laughs> yeah I, I like drama as you know so yes I would like the song the most that had drama in it any any fans of the show psych here any mm-hmm. okay so in the psych movie the last psych movie they did a takeoff of um of last christmas so there's this running thread that kurt smith from tears for fears is shows up now and then in psych and as (laughs) kurt smith and he was trying to get into supposedly in the story andrew ridgely was redoing ram wham uk and and kurt smith is trying to get into wham uk but he doesn't choose him so he does this song called previous holiday instead of last Christmas. And it and he he's there with like the rope, like the 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 oh, careless oh whisper rope. And and there's a whole video where Gus is like the George Michael where like nobody's talking to him and everybody it's the funniest thing ever. But it's not I'll on, find YouTube. That on YouTube. Oh. It's not on YouTube. That sucks. I think they kept it all at least I haven't been able to find it. So you have to watch This is Gus, which is the last um movie i can't find it on youtube i've been trying to find it and i think they kept it off but i will find it somewhere for you melanie thank you, thank you. so since then we can we can do whole lists um go ahead um uh, so it's funny because my my absolute favorite and this is going to sound really like cheesy because it is like it's it, you know I, I would love to say it's a deep cut it's my favorite but it's not that's it's, the show like, wait yeah. <laughs> It's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. And I'll tell you why. It, that song for me has stood the test of time. When I was 12 and that song came on the radio, my spirits lifted and I started dancing around. Yeah. When that song comes on in the car, my spirits lift and I'm, I'm dancing as I'm driving. Like that, I there's never been a phase of my life, whether I was 12 or 52, where just hearing the, Sorry. It didn't start getting me like, you know, excited. So that's definitely my number one. Last Christmas is on my list for sure. 
Um, oh, I see a link to something. I'm guessing it's that video. Oh, you it found is. it? I found oh, it. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see if it's actually it or if it's, it's just them talking about it, but you'll at least see clips of them doing their thing. It's funny. And I had to go with Wham Rap because oh. it's just so stupid. <laughs> you know, some things are just funny. And that song is funny. And as they say, as the kids say now, they thought they ate. <laughs> they, they're like, wow. we are saying something. But they did because they did. Again, they did. For those people who listen to it, because people mm -hmm. were so into it that they got mad when they switched gears. Oh, so, I get so it. Oh, yeah. That was, they but, ate for somebody. But may, I, but may I just say, as a black girl from Baltimore, it is hey everybody take a look at me i've got street credibility no. i may not have a job but i have a good time with the boys that i meet down on the line and say i don't need you if you don't approve who asked you to hey and i'm just uh, like what come on melanie hood wilson is this and like what styling with Melanie Hood Wilson, ladies? And what's this song? I mean, what's this voice that he's doing? It's like this, like hubba bubba, kind of like it's like half Sugar Hill Gang, half Hubba Bubba. It's terrible. It's a little Yogi the Bear, maybe. It's what's that? Um, Yalza, Yalza, Yalza. I want to book it with you. It's just that's where he picked it up. Maybe that's what it sounds like to me. And oh, it's I bet just, that's where they got it. It's an idea. I think everyone, if you watch anybody's behind the music or unsung or whatever, they'll talk about when you're writing, when you're younger, I know it says a young writer just doing prose, you, you take or steal, let's be honest, from anybody you can, because mm -hmm. your idea of what a, a, a humor columnist or a, mm -hmm. a rapper or whatever, I stole from Dave Barry like you would not believe and i met him years later and he said um so where's my royalty check which i thought oh, was hilarious man. he didn't he didn't obviously mean that but um i mean a lot of people in my age stole from dave barry just had no i mean like i stole from smash hits which is a magazine in which we used to read about uh, Wham. i love smash hits that was my jam you know this is all the stuff that we did and i i think that i don't know i think because of the longevity of his career, even though he's George is no longer with us, which is very terrible and very sad yes, because yeah. he has stayed so much part of the zeitgeist and a part mm -hmm. of the culture. And because you have movies like Last Christmas, which is surprisingly a good movie. Have you seen that movie, guys? Um, No, not yet. With it's, Amelia Clark. Yes, it's it's about grief. Oh, I did watch it. Yes. It's about grief. And Andrew Ridgely has a cameo at the end. Oh, that's lovely. Singing Last Christmas. Like, you just see him in an audience. And you go, who is that good-looking Egyptian-looking man? Oh, that's who that is. And he's singing. And it's very sweet. And he's, first of all, I'm glad that he's still making money. Not like he needed it, but he's still making money mm -hmm. off it. Because, like I said, having done that documentary, which I know, I think we noted, was from his home movies that he had made. Mm -hmm all of that video was in his personal yeah. collection. Yeah. Um, and that, wild. and it becomes, like you said, a love letter to this friendship. And the last line of it is so beautiful, you know, that George went on to, you know, international acclaim and the person who was least surprised about it and most proud of him was Andrew. 
And I just, yeah. it, I get choked up about it because, you know, I obviously write it and talk a lot about grief and stuff. It's just sort of where I am. But I think it's a, it's so beautiful that you can have that clarity at this age and that he, oh, yeah. I thought it would be like, oh, I was mad. I'm not, he was never mad about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, uh, so my, I'll do my favorites real quick. That really, what's so funny is that would be a great place to end this, but I want to say my favorites. That was, say it. that was brilliant. Um, um, so free, the original freedom, um, because you were talking about hearing the beginning of Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. I feel mm. like I want to hear that. Dum, bum, bum, do, mm. do, do, do. That's how that I feel. Is a, that is a great intro, too. It's, I feel so, so, so very happy. And so I'm looking, I just looked up a list. Probably Freedom. Um, and um, I love Edge, Your, Edge of Heaven and I'm Your Man. And what's so funny is is I was such a prude and those are like very sexy songs, but um, I know in the, the, I'm your heaven, the, the I'm your heaven, the I'm <laughs> your man video. Um, I don't know. It was just enjoyable. And it, that was the, the black and white phase. Like the videos were like black and white at your heaven and, and I'm your man wearing black and white. And um, it just seemed like very deep. And that just takes me to a, uh, to a good place. Sam, do do you have any uh opinions on Wham? I've broken record here. My experience of Wham very different from the panel. Um <gasps> Wham was pleasant music in the background. Um I never had any objection to Wham. I kind of enjoyed the videos. Um I thought the I thought the short short things was adorable even as a 15-year-old boy in in a in a very much not even aware of queer things sort of way you're um, one of the good ones sam i i play one on tv anyway <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah all the pop stuff i was fine with i enjoyed it when it came by I, I don't turn the channel when it comes up now so uh you know the wake me up before you go go always um, it's always it's always happiness yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah I'm, I'm like I, it's it's a it's a tangential thing that i enjoy so that's my that's my appreciation of Wham. <laughs> well, this is around the time when we asked in this podcast to our guest, um, if you yes, that's you, Melanie Hood Wilson. If you <laughs> think I wish you video could see the videos one day, we'll do that. But um, but Melanie, who's so you, adorable, by the way, who's just like so, she just looks at Lynn, Lynn is all dressed up. She got a little like matching <laughs> hair tie on. Melanie is all like in her look at me. I'm running things. Sam looks all cool, oh, and I am wearing a Raven shirt that I slept oh, in. Lord. And you I look don't cute. care. You they, look really no, cute. I'm, I, there's nothing. I'm cute, but I'm just saying y'all look like together. And I'm like, or you might say I, I was born this way. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Hey, so Melanie, um, do you at the end of this discussion? Do you think that uh, Wham is cheesy and or a guilty pleasure? And if you do, do you freaking care? As much as I would love to say that there's a tremendous cultural and intellectual value to Wham. (laughs) I'm going to have to go with cheesy pleasure and there is nothing wrong with it 
because when that song, when, when Wham is playing, I feel happy. They make me happy. They make, they remind me, uh, maybe, I mean, part of it may be that um, they remind me of another moment in life where, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't have, well, I had problems, but there are different problems. I, I think actually I'd rather be here than there. Um, but or maybe yeah. it's that, I, the, it's, I think it's just the music though. It's just so mm. light and their joy. Those two boys were just happy to be living their dream. Happy. And it comes through in the music. I love it. Thank and you. I did mean boys, because if we look back, what were they, like 20? Yeah, they were babies. They, they were babies. babies. And so that little boy joy, I just, this is all this like, it's that youthful exuberance and it's, it's fun. Well, Melanie, where could people find you if you would like people to find you? You know what? This feels like that time at the end of Hot Ones where you've like, you know, gone through all of like the, the most torturous wings and they're like, now you get to plug your your movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, so funny. I am a diversity, equity and inclusion consultant. And, um if you, and I, I really shouldn't say that because if I say something that's like, you know, mad and correct and people will be like, she's a DI consultant, but you can find me at Melanie Hood Wilson and Associates um, at gmail.com. If you'd like to email me.com for my uh, website, Melanie Hood Wilson and Associates.com um, for your DEI needs. Um, we do um, disability inclusion work. We do um, uh, anti-racism work, uh, anti-bias, um, inclusion in the workplace. Um, we're helping, a, at the moment, helping a small business set up their HR practices around inclusion and equity. So um, DEI strategic plans, I have to go on with a menu. Uh, visit my website, Melanie Hood Wilson and Associates at gmail.com. I mean, <laughs> Melanie Hood Wilson and Associates.com. Well, I got all smooth and then I messed it up. <laughs> hey. uh, anything else you'd like to say Leslie Streeter I, I just want to say that to me the thing that I love you kept talking about the joy is that the joy was their friendship and that yeah. to me is what's so palpable when you look back and I think it's just funny to be talking about this with all of you because um Melanie and us have known each other since we were 13 years old and we've known uh, Sam's wife Nikki since we were born and so there's something so beautiful about long friendships and to be able to look at the ups and downs of those and yeah. say I love this person as much now as I did mm -hmm. and I understand them differently but the the basis of the love was shared interest in in things and even though like your careers go in different directions you live in different places um you all come together and there's just something so lovely I me mean, I have good friendships with people I met as an adult but there's just something about those girlhood childhood boyhood friendship peoplehood yeah. friendships that make you um go wow so that that to me is, is the worth of what this is all about and also the music is darn catchy yeah darn yeah. catchy well you guys are amazing thank you again Melanie thank you again uh co-host Lynn thank you again producer Sam um i just you know this has just been so much fun we laugh i like the ones where we laugh the ones Me where we too. laugh a lot are my favorite um as we always say keep it easy keep it breezy keep it cheesy bye-bye <laughs> <laughs>